Welcome to the Sports Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Welcome to the Sports Betting Podcast from Pregame.com for the week of October 29th, 2009. I'm your host, RJ Bell. I'm joined by Marco D'Angelo, 30 years in the business, Vegas runner, genuine professional batter. First episode this, or first segment this week, one of six segments, college football preview, and we are previewing Georgia, Florida, as usual, Vegas Runner, give us a line report. All right. This one's being played in Jacksonville. The line opened up Florida minus 16 and 49 and a half. Uh, as of today, we're looking at 15 and 48. So a little money come in on the dog and a tad bit on the under as well. And one of the things we talk about is when you have money going against the public team early, you can, in Florida being a public team, you can feel pretty confident it's genuine money. Sure. Because the public is likely going to be on Florida. They're saying, we got to rush to get this number. It's too high. So the wise guys seem to like Georgia. All right, Marco, we're a betting show. Give me the one factor that a better better not ignore when he's handicapping this game. The one factor here is which Florida's team's going to come. The last three weeks, they've struggled. Uh, they've been lucky to win their last three games, and that's why I now, think... Is LSU in that group? LSU's in that group. LSU, Arkansas, and Mississippi State. Now, that L- was a strong performance, right? LSU, strong performance, but the f- offense just didn't... They Whatever only- it is, to go into Baton Rouge at night and win that game, it's hard to say they're struggling. I'll give you that's that. That's the game you would... If anything... That's the game you would say is the exception to the fact they have been down seemingly this, uh, especially since the beginning of the year, which is an interesting question. Before we finish your point, I apologize for jumping in. What has been their, their defining performances this year? Because the blowouts against the one double A team or whatever yeah. early, is, are, that's irrelevant. So my question is, uh, let's put LSU as a strong performance. What other ones are there? They really don't have a, a complete game yet this year against a quality opponent. And I think that's the main reason you're seeing a line coming down on the game. All right, so when you say which Florida team, are you saying the bad one or the, the above-average one we've seen this year versus last year? I mean, has there been that Florida team that is supposed to be? Remember, when the season started, they had the most first-place votes than any team yeah. since the polls began. So they were supposed to be the most dominant number one in, in, a long me- time. in memory. It certainly hasn't played that way. And they brought back most of their team, except for per- you know Percy Harvin was the you know the one big player that you know was missing from this year's team when he started the season. I mean, like they almost handed this team the national championship in all the polls. All right. So really, maybe your question is is not even a question, but it's an answer. Is typically you would say. Are we going to see a team that struggled, or are we going to see a team that is dominant? And then if it's dominant, the 16- or 15-point line makes sense. If they're a struggling team, it doesn't. 
But except we haven't really seen that dominant team. We have not seen the dominant team and what we haven't seen dominant that we've seen in years past. The defense has played good. I mean, the defense is holding them in there. The offense has not been explosive against these teams. Uh, that's where everybody's down on them. And when you're laying a lot of points, no matter how good the defense plays, you got to score some points to cover double-digit favorites. All right, so looking at my notes, you actually have – now what we end up doing is we give an official pick each of us on one of the games we preview, and then on the other stuff we give a bunch of opinions and, and, and tips. You've got your official pick on this game. So before – we'll do a little tease, kind of like the old same bad time, same bad channel. <laughs> we'll do a little tease here. And VR, give us your key point, and we'll double back and get your pick on this game. Okay, bottom line, Florida hasn't had a reason to show up yet, except for that LSU game. When they have a reason to show up, this team dominates. Ten the Tennessee game, they didn't have a reason to show up? I don't think so. I don't, I don't consider that Tennessee a good team. I really yeah, don't. But they were very motivated. Can we question the motivation? Yeah, but it's like saying now they're motivated again to blow out Georgia because all that stuff with the no Sean Moreno and how Georgia celebrated and Florida which, said which they're going to pay the for this for the next five years. And I don't believe in the bulletin board stuff. I believe in, you know, these guys are human beings and, and it's pretty hard to get up for a team that no one thinks is good. And when you look at Florida. So, so let me ask you, you're saying Florida, Tennessee, Florida was enough for that game. I don't, I, I don't think they, they had any real reason. I don't think so with all the talk with the coach to go out there and perform and totally destroy so this saying, team by 40. I think that was the media saying they're going to go out so there and win by 40 and not the team. So you're saying the fact that the line was what it was in that game and it was a high line made that Florida team think we're, we're not – which is – I don't particularly agree. That's a valid right. point. You're saying these kids don't care about the talk radio chat or exactly. they care about can this team beat us? If not, we're going to play some – Exactly, and I think we – and the media hyped it up like that. And are, you it wasn't, are you a, an a member of the media? Yeah. I don't know. I, I do a little radio now and then, so maybe. <laughs> I don't have the credentials to get in the free stuff yet. But let, let me tell you why. 18-4 and four against the spread versus teams with a winning record. Their last 22 games. So when they're being challenged, they go out and they cover spreads. And this is a team who's usually favored and highly favored. More important, they look bad against Mississippi State. They look bad against Arkansas. They're the bottom two teams in the SEC West. How can you get up for them? This is the week, I think, when we're going to see, is this Florida team that number one that everyone's talking right, about? I'm all, I'm they don't pass. That's the right, problem. All right, all right. I'm, always, I'm always leery when it's this is the week we're going to see the real team. Sounds like a, a boyfriend that's been abusive <laughs> to the girlfriend and said, well, finally no I'm going to be a good guy. All right, Marco, give us your free pick. Well, we're seven and two with the free picks. We're going to make it eight and two after this week. I'm so when you say seven, you the last nine weeks have given seven winners. That's right. So right here, right here. Go ahead, ahead the man. old guy. All right. All right, we're going to go with Florida, and this is one of those things. Last week's free pick we talked about, I look at the line, and I decide what Vegas is trying to tell you to do. Even though this line has come down from the opening number, this is what I expected the number to do. You wouldn't have thought of this game any differently if they put it out at 14. They came out over two touchdowns. That's the key in this game. 
Georgia has only lost one game outside of this number. So that the what is that one game outside of this number? What does that mean? Outside of the fourteen, they, they've played their, their losses have been close. When this year, this year, all right. So, okay. so every game except one, they've been within either one or been within two touchdowns. Right. In this, public, now, clearly the retort to that is Florida is the best team they've played. But absolutely, and and that's what I'm going to look at here. The Georgia defense. Has, it has been horrible this year. They gave up 37 points to South Carolina. South Carolina is not an offensive juggernaut. They gave up 41 to Arkansas, and they gave up 45 to Tennessee. Tennessee has not been scoring points this year. The Florida offense will wake up this week. This is a game that they do have on the schedule because of what Vegas Runner said of things that have happened in the past. This is the world's greatest outdoor. So you believe in the bulletin board stuff? Some of the stuff you do whenever it in college football, when somebody like Urban Meyer feels that they were disrespected that year with Georgia in the celebration, they remember those kind of things. They laid the wood to them last year. I expect them to lay the wood again this year. And really, even though Florida's ranked number one, there's a lot of teams that are still undefeated out there. And if they keep having these close games where they just are getting by, you know, we could get down to that final week of the season where it might come down to the computer wait, wait, rankings. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're saying it's I, – I, I'm not saying I don't like the pick. But you're saying Florida could go undefeated and not make the BCS championship game. We've seen stranger things happen. I don't know if I have. I just think this is the week, honestly, where their, their passing game – finally shows up because right. George is just so bad. All right, we got to do a little hyping now. Sorry to jump in. <laughs> it's okay. All right, Marco, you're known as the big game. What's it called? The big country's big the play? The country's big play expert. When did you come up with that? Oh, dude. That was when back we... when uh, Bubby Brister was quarterback. <laughs> but but all joking aside, your record, t- just tell us. you got you got 40 got my, seconds. I've got my college game of the year this Saturday. We're 24-5 and five <laughs> lifetime with that game. Last Saturday, we had our warm-up game of the year, and I'm now 23-7 and lifetime with that game. It was Mississippi last week. We're going to pull off another big win this, this week. Last year, we had Navy, and they rolled over SMU. It was a blowout from start to finish, that. and we're looking to do the same. That's a proven record. Go to pregame.com, click pros, and you can check it out, or pro picks. Okay, that was segment one. Next up, we're going to do another big game preview in college. This is segment two of six, big game preview, college football, Texas, Oklahoma State. As usual, Vegas runner, give us the line report on this game. Okay, this line opened up Texas minus nine as a road favorite with the total 53 and a half. As of this morning, we're looking at anywhere between nine and eight and a half with the total down to 51. So there's some money on the under. And uh, as far as the side, back and forth from what I'm hearing. Okay, so you actually, we do an official pick each of us on one of the games. You have an official free pick yes, on I this do. game. Yes, I do. First up, Marco, tell us the one factor a sports better better not ignore in this game. Texas defense. Uh, this year, it's been all Texas with the defense. It's not the offense that's got the limelight. It's the defense. And if they hold Oklahoma State in check, Texas wins this game. And covers. And covers. All right, so it's so you see the key matchup to be. All right, so what we're looking for are answers. Is we're not looking for the key question as much as what's the key answer. So is this Texas defense as good as uh, they appear to be? They've only allowed one team this year to score more than 20 points, and that was Texas, Texas Tech. Tech 24. And they've shut every offense down. 
They held Oklahoma in check. Granted, Oklahoma lost Bradford in the first series, but the backup had been playing all year, so not that big of a step down. The, this team's for real. I just Oklahoma. Now let me State. jump in a second. So just to think about Oklahoma for a second, though, that's not the feature here. You, you think that their quarterback is almost as good as Bradford? He's not as good as Bradford, obviously, but making the jump when he came back into the game, he had already played several games this year. So, so he wasn't like, as bad as a typical backup, but he's exactly. not a Heisman Trophy. Right, winner. exactly. You don't have the big drop-off you know, that you would have had normally if that would have been the first game that Bradford got injured. All right, Vegas Runner, give us your pick and tell us why. <laughs> okay, I'm going to lay the nine points with Texas here. I've been staying in the Big 12. It's been good to me, and I'm going to pick the Big 12 again. I like Texas here. Bottom line, Marco hit it on the nose when he said defense. But to dig a little deeper, both of these teams are excellent against the run. Texas allows only 41 yards a game. And Oklahoma State allows only 99. So neither of these offenses are going to have a lot of success running. It's going to come down to who passes better. And that's where Texas and Colt McCoy have the huge edge. When you look at the defense of Oklahoma State, they're ranked 106th in the NCAA against the pass. So I think they're going to have field day Texas passing the ball. That's going to be the difference. And this team's only allowing 13 points a game defensively. And if they make this team one-dimensional and force Oklahoma State to only be able to pass, it's going to be an easy afternoon for them. Now, one of the big conversations that the sports bettors are having is all the big favorites in the NFL they're covering. And, you know, 14, 14 and a half, whatever, they're winning by 35. Would you say that the college lines are going to be a little bit inflated, and either of you guys can jump in and answer, because the squares who have been laying the road wood, like a team like Texas, have been getting affirmed by cashing, and all of a sudden it's not so scary to lay over a touchdown on a road team in the Big 12. I agree, and that we see that same trend happen in baseball when, when teams have that offense and they're crushing and people are betting the run line every day. They're not afraid of it when, you know, that year the Yankees were covering every run line. Once you see a team do that, you're no longer afraid. And you, like you said, they're covering, they're seeing NFL teams covering 14-point road favorites. All of a sudden you get confident. You see a powerful team, right, so you're so afraid to lay true, it. true, then we would assume laying the big numbers in college, you're going to be paying a little premium. I agree with your theory and principle, but honestly, in college football, unlike in the NFL, I think in the NFL, you have more, there's more squares in action. Not everybody bets. More in the NFL. More in the NFL. True. Okay. In college football, I think you've got more people that buy into the home underdog theory because of the, the college atmosphere, the bigger stadiums. You don't have 80,000-seat stadiums and 100,000-seat stadiums generally in the NFL. You know, most of them are 60, 65,000. Uh, college football is a different animal. It's an interesting point. We've been talking about for over a year that the NFL home field is being decrease the home field advantage in the last few years and some of the speculation is the more corporate stadiums uh, and the ticket prices and you don't have the rabid fans as much except maybe in a few stadiums even Pittsburgh which you know I follow the Steelers very closely that home field just doesn't feel they have a great they certainly have a great record at home so there's other factors that crowd affects that game less than they did, True. you know, than, than 10 years ago at Three Rivers, I would say. Well, one of, the, one of the other reasons is there's more new stadiums in the NFL, and more of the newer-style stadiums are not enclosed. They're not 
complete ovals, like if you remember Three River Stadium. Heinz mm -hmm. Field has an open end. You're right, losing. So whatever the reason, you're is, losing sound. All right, fair enough. And, and, and I think, and I think that in a combination with who's there, you know, when it's a thousand bucks a ticket or whatever, it's it's different than when it's the guy with the steel yeah. hat that you see in the old <laughs> NFL beards with the beard hands coming yeah. down. Yeah. All right. Now, you quote each week a lot the odds makers poll. So the Vegas odds makers put out a poll, and Correct. it's always interesting to say, well, what's the comparison between the AP, which is what the public believes for the most part, public perception versus what the odds makers believe, who are professionals. And actually, in uh, pregame forums, and you can just go there directly at pregameforums.com, I do a thread every Saturday that we have a formula. We compare the odds makers. Uh, poll against the AP, and there's, it's a sort of a complicated formula. But then we find the teams the odds makers like, and the teams they don't, and play on, and make a pick on the teams they like against the teams they don't. And uh, it's been a really good record, so you might want to check that out. Where the odds makers have been right. Now they have Texas, if I'm not mistaken, three. Yes, right. the odds makers have them two. Oh, and, two. And yeah, and USA Today and AP has them three. All right. So it's so, exact so they're same. saying that Texas is better than Alabama. They're saying Texas is better than USC, which they usually, the odds makers love USC. USC. <laughs> so my question is, when you look at their performances here at Texas, what have they done? It seems like every week people are like, man, this Texas team isn't what we thought they were. What have they done in order for us to think they're the second best team in the country? The reason for that is because they're 2-4 and four ATS, 2-4-1, and one, and no one's cashed with this team. And I think the reason for that is... The reason for what? That would make the public sour on the team. Yeah, exactly. And I think the odds makers, because they just use their ratings, have put Texas out there too high of a favorite early on in the season. I thought coming into the season, so the first few games... you're saying they were more well-regarded in week one and two than they are now, Texas. Yeah, coming in. I think so. But I, they're still the second best team in the country. Right now, according to the, to the odds makers. Yeah. Yeah. So they're still very highly regarded. Yeah, at seven and zero, they're gonna be. Mm -hmm. So you look at this team right now, and and how how is Texas compared to what you expected from them? I mean, what do you if it's Texas, Florida, what do you make the line? I, I, on a neutral. I'd make on a neutral field. I'd make Florida four. Okay. Max, so for you, is Max. this is this more of a play on Texas or or against? This is Oklahoma? against Oklahoma, who is ranked thirteenth. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, excuse me, who's ranked thirteenth in the AP and USA Today, fifteenth by the odds makers, and I think the odds makers incorrect too. I don't think this Oklahoma State team is as good as everyone believes. They're six and one, and that's why they're getting this respect. But when you look at them statistically. They're just not that strong. Like I said, they're 106th against the pass, and they're 57th in defense, total defense. This team just isn't as good right. as they're being perceived. 30 seconds, any closing thoughts? One point that I'll make, and if you, you want to go to the odds maker and see if he's trying to send you to a side here, they believe this Texas defense is for real. The last two years, the over-under in this matchup, which both were shootouts, 66.5 and 62 and they come out with this game at 51 and a half right now, they think this defense is for real on Texas. All right, good point. All right, good stuff. Now, next up, we're going to be doing segment number three, a preview of USC Oregon. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. This is segment three of six, big game preview in college football, USC Oregon. That's right. 
And Vegas Runner, as usual, give us a line report. All right. USC opened as a four-point road favorite with a total of 45. As of this morning, we're seeing USC minus three and a total of 47. So some money on the home team and a little money on the over. Okay. Now, USC is a public team. Definitely. And we always talk about it is you can read these line moves. Sometimes they're setups for future buybacks. Sometimes they're genuine moves. Is betting against, you know, on Oregon, on the underdog against a premier team is probably a genuine move. Yeah, now that it got down to a key number, too, you could pretty much. So we can safely say the wise guys are leaning towards Oregon. Okay, so we actually have free picks on most of or three of the games each week, and we've been on a great streak. Marco, you've been seven and two. VR, you're four and one. I'm four and two. All right here on pregame.tv. Um, this is a game we don't have a pick on, so we're going to be actually giving away $10 at the end of the, uh, of the um, segment here. So, Marco, as a batter, give us the one answer, the one factor that we need to be considering in this game. Uh, my uh, factor in this game is value, and I think there's value in Southern Cal. Uh, even though the line's coming down, the public, as you say, uh, you're saying the wise guys are taking a stand. I feel a little bit differently the way I'm reading this game. As you know, as we said, Southern Cal's a public team. They're a public team that got a lot of action last week. The world was on Southern Cal because it was their revenge of the century game. Again, I shouldn't stay, yeah. Okay. And that was bet up all the way to three touchdowns. Bet the to three touchdowns. A lot of people were on it. I think it was a huge mistake. If you go pure handicapping, revenge is a great motivator. And that was there for that game, but that's the only thing that was there for that game. Here was a team that was a three-touchdown favorite returning home after playing Notre Dame on the road, national TV game that went down to the wire, and then go back out on the road this week to Oregon, basically their last stumbling block in the Pac-10. That was a sandwich game last week, Oregon State. And the public All right, so the public was on the wrong handicap there, which you're saying the fact that those people lost money on that game and saw USC not look so good is giving us value this week on USC. Absolutely. All right, give us the key factor in your handicap on this game. Okay, I think it comes down to Oregon's been able to go to 6-1 and one and 5-2 and two ATS running the ball. That's their bread and butter, bottom line. Yep. Can they run the ball against USC, who's number five against the run in college football? I think that's what it's going to come down to. Is their running game good enough to so do it, damage against USC? We, we don't want questions. We want answers, buddy. I don't think it is. I don't think anyone is going to be able to run on this USC team. Uh, defensively, they're very fast. I think that's, that's where they have a big edge in the quickness. All right, so you're saying that now can you throw on USC? Yeah, yeah, you can throw. You, you, teams have had success. That's the only success you're going to have throwing. So this is a them. good fundamental handicap. Is It's not just about how good a defense is and how good an offense is. It's about matchups. It's like that in basketball. It's like that with pitching matchups. Correct. And you're saying that a team like Notre Dame, which can throw the ball, had a chance to keep it close against USC. Right. A team that's going to run it is going to have trouble. Trouble. And Oregon can't throw the ball. That, that's their biggest problem. They throw for 150 yards a game. All right, so do we want to be looking at the under here, maybe? Yeah, and I was surprised that the move went to the over when this first came out, you know, with, with the defense of USC. Well, they're looking at last week's score, though, too. The two weeks in a row, Southern Cal's been in high-scoring games. 
against Notre Dame and against Oregon State last year. And both these teams score more to average more than 30 points per game. All right, so. so, but we have a situation where clearly USC is a small favorite. All right, so in theory, the lines maker is saying this is going to be a close game. Yeah. If we feel confident that you that Oregon's going to have trouble scoring, now there's either one of two sides is really valuable. If we think USC is going to score, then it's USC. There's the value. If we're not sure USC is going to score, you got to love the under. Yonder. So, in a way, you're saying the thing you're most confident of is Oregon scoring is going to be kept down. So, based upon your opinion on how USC is going to do against Oregon, you're either going to like USC or, or like the under. Yonder. Absolutely. Mm. They're the only two that sides well, I would look that to play. That was well said, I thought. Uh, yeah, you <laughs> read my mind. That's the only way I would play this game. Marco, any additional thoughts? Uh, Oregon's a team that, although they have a good record, I think they've done it partly with smoke and mirrors. Um, a perfect example is the UCLA game. Uh, that game was, you know, a tight game at the half. First 30 seconds, you know, a 30-second span early in the second half, they scored two touchdowns in that game without touching the football. Oregon did to blow that game open. Um, this is going to be a tough spot for them. I think the public's overreacting to the home dog here. Overreacting to that. So you're saying, so this game being a little bit short in your mind, is it, and it could be a combination of this, two factors, USC's performance last week with a lot of people batting on them, Oregon being a little bit overrated. Is it a combination to that's you? That's the combination, yes, absolutely. Well said, sir. Wow, well, well. That's all I do here is, 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 is yeah. reiterate. Summarize. Summarize. I'm like a translator. For us, you need a translator. <laughs> well, because a lot of times when you're an aficionado and you're really tactical, it's not as easy to communicate True. with the non-tactical people. All right, so any other thoughts on this? Uh, just, it's tough to win in Oregon. I mean, it, it really is. So that's is. a counterfactor. It, it is. home field at Oregon. Huge home field edge. And what you got to remember is, yeah, they may have won with smoke and mirrors, but they've covered five straight, right? They've won six. They've covered five of six of them. And they Which were favored. Which is maybe slightly overrated. Yeah, and they were favored, though, in four of them games. Because what we talk about every week is when a team's won five in a row or there's a strong ETS record, it's not just theoretical. There's people winning money on that. And if you keep cashing with a team, you're going to have a tendency to want to bet on them again. I, I will say this. The future line on this game in the summer when you could bet these games was USC minus seven. And when you look at the odds makers poll, he has Oregon even up a little higher than the AP in the USA Today. So according to the odds makers, Oregon's even stronger than the public yeah, so, perceives. So from, so from, well, or USC's not as it's good. good. Yeah. So from from the beginning of the year, the relative difference between the teams has, has decreased. Absolutely. Okay, because we don't have a free pick on this game. Uh, this is the segment we're going to give away our $10. Every week at pregame.tv during the weekly show, we give away $10. And one of the segments, hit it, Mark. I'll get to you. One last thing. I know one team that's really rooting hard for Oregon this week, and that's Boise State. Yeah. Because Boise State. Beat them. You know, Oregon has only got one loss on the season. And if Oregon can beat USC, that's going to help them in the BCS rankings big time. But uh, for the free pick, it's the world's outdoor cocktail party this week. So our coupon is COCKTAIL10, the word COCKTAIL and the number 10. All one, all one, all one word. word, 10. And unfortunately, you can't buy any cocktails at pregame, but you can buy some winning picks. Or you can have some 
some picks that make you want to buy champagne. <laughs> there you go. Even Pop better. If, if you've been buying Spartan, you've been popping champagne. All right, so we got a Capper Spartan. This is a mind blower. I actually did a post in the forums saying, remember back with the touts on TV screaming, I'm 80% on this. Yeah, yeah, and, over and the last year. And then when you grew up a little bit, you You're figured like... out how dumb that was. And we got a guy that has that kind of record, but it's been tracked game by game. Give us the details. 2009 Spartan is 74 and 29 with his triple star plays. And he's not just the triple stars. Last week he went 10 and 4 with all of his plays. Okay. Only two of them were triple stars. 2009, plays. it's now almost November. So yeah. it's yeah. not yeah. like a, a three week record. And if that wasn't yeah. enough, the NBA season started last night. He went four. Night. swept the board, yeah. He went 4 0, opening night of the NBA. Right, and that's the thing is you want to find a winner, but when you find a winner who's hot, that's, that's the best scenario. Be better. And with the coupon Cocktail 10, all one word, no spaces, you get 10 bucks off. $10. And we always say it is if the picks cost 10 bucks or less, it's free, no free. credit card required. That's it. All right, good stuff. Next up is going to be segment four of six, and we're going to start doing NFL big game previews. First up is going to be Baltimore and Denver. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. This is segment four of six. This is a big game preview, NFL, Baltimore and Denver. As usual, let's go straight to the line report from our resident line guru, Vegas Ryan. Great game. Baltimore opened up as a three-and-a-half-point home favorite with a total of 39. Uh, as of this morning, we're looking at three minus $1.25. So if you're taking the plus three, you're getting plus 105. If you want to take Baltimore now, you got to lay 125 to lay three. And the total's up to 42. So a three, two-and-a-half-point movement to the over. All right, so what we, and, and I think that goes with a general trend we've been talking about. This Baltimore D isn't as good True. as we've seen. Now, so let's talk abstractly just for a minute. Is home field in the NFL typically is three. three. So to say a line three with a juice edge to Baltimore means they're saying Baltimore is slightly better right now. All right, but I would say this. Clearly, we agree with that, right? Baltimore slightly better is what they're saying because you have to lay the 125 to lay the three. Yeah. All right. Okay. You gave me a look like you know, uh, no, I don't no. want to contradict Vegas <laughs> runner. All right. No, no way. Now, here's my question. This Denver team all of a sudden has got – I mean, let's – we just before the bye, they were getting four and a half Halves. against San Diego. So using that same home field, we're say, they were saying that Denver was one and a half points – Worse, worse than San Diego. Now they're saying they're about exactly the same as Baltimore. To a half point. Now this is a Baltimore team which went to Minnesota a couple weeks ago and was less than three. So really what you're saying here is they're now saying they think Denver is better than Minnesota, who was just undefeated. I mean, this Denver team, the idea of them now being underrated is out the window. They, they've made believers of the lines made. I agree. Another thing in there is that you, you referred to the San Diego game. Baltimore earlier in the year went to San Diego and beat San Diego. So if you're doing a line comparison, there, yeah, I mean, even... clearly, clearly, I, you know, when I what I tend to do is look at a matchup, make my own line off my gut, and and see what the line was. I was thinking this is going to be four and a half. So right now I'm shocked. And remember the key number of three. All right, so Marco, as a handicapper looking at this game, what's the one factor, and what's the answer to that factor, which is going to help our audience pick winners? 
Well, I'm not sure if it's going to help the audience because I've been handicapping Denver all year old school. <laughs> and minus my games involving Denver, I've got a hell of a year going. Uh, I've still got a good year going, but it would be phenomenal if I could take the couple losses away. Now, you're 7-2 and two on your free picks here the last nine weeks. Yes. So it, you're doing well. We're doing well. But Denver, I, I've lost a few games with them. And like oh. a dime to us, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay. And uh, a lot of wisest dally on Mark. <laughs> the one thing here, and you know, again, it, old school handicapping. This is a traditional bye week handicap. The general thinking is teams that go into a bye week with momentum. It's that's bad. You you don't want to stop momentum whenever everything's rolling right. And a team that goes into a bye week in disarray, like the Baltimore Ravens, they lost three in a row. The bye week is the best, best thing, thing that can happen. Mm. Old school handicapping. This is a, a you know a no brainer. So no, this is a rare situation <laughs> where both teams had a bye coming in, correct? In in opposite ends of the spectrum. So that now that is good stuff. And and it's hard you know it's hard to find unique stuff on each game. But that's a real takeaway. So let's think for a minute. A rare situation where we have two teams coming off a bye, one team in a classically good spot to come off a bye, Baltimore, because they were in disarray or are in disarray, I guess that's the question. Denver was super hot, which is a negative to come off a bye. So all that equal, you got to like Baltimore there. Old school th handicapping, it's Baltimore. Well, that's the only handicapping you can do. <laughs> all right, now. <laughs> now. What's the one factor in your handicap? I don't want to talk about the same thing, but that's exactly what I had written here. All right, so and, and bottom line is they had beaten Dallas, New England, San Diego, had all that momentum, everyone talking about you. Now you got a break. How do you bounce back? And you got to remember, they're not just 6 0, they're 6 0 ATS as well. Um, so, uh, Which is why we're getting one of the reasons we're getting a shift in respect is when the team is keeps cash and the people keep back. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm going to make a case here that I'm not. You just rattled off some teams that Denver beat. I'm not so sure that every one of those teams isn't overrated. Right. All right. I mean, because to me, and New England is going to be the question mark, but to me, Dallas is overrated just perpetually. Absolutely. I think we can agree to that. They're, they're a premium. They're a team. There's a premium on like Notre Dame, like North Carolina, and basketball, et cetera. Okay, Lakers. Now, number two, then is we've got, I'm sorry, give me one more time. Oh, San Diego. San Diego. So we know that San Diego is perpetually <laughs> overrated. All right? And again, I'm talking a couple, a point, a point and a half. Now, this New England team, I haven't seen them, I've seen them blow out bad teams, and I haven't seen them yet win a really, you know, and, and I look at this Atlanta team where you would say that was the defining win for New England. I'm not so sure now that you look at you know, the way they played against the Cowboys. Then you look at this Jets team and wonder how good they are. I'm not sure how good this New England team is. I mean, they might be, I'm not saying they're not one of the top 10 teams. Right, right. You know, but I don't think they're, you know, who are you? I mean, here's a question mark. Who are you playing Pittsburgh, New England neutral field uh, with a pick and game? Right now I'm playing Pittsburgh, the way the teams are playing. All right, so, I mean, what I'm saying is this New England is probably not – Indy is going to be a favorite against New right. England on a neutral, right? Absolutely. So, and, and right now you'd have to say Denver you – know, I just don't know that, that – I think this Denver team's good, but this Baltimore team, you have to wonder, was a couple weeks ago was the best team in football – now, let's think about it a second. The Cincinnati game is the big question mark. But they could have beat New England, clearly. And, and there was that drop late, you know, in the game. Right. 
and clearly they could have beat Minnesota. And, and winning in the you know winning in Minnesota is a challenge. I just wonder right now if the value isn't on Baltimore. I think the value probably is on Baltimore, and I'm just skeptical because I've you know got burnt with it going against Denver. But they've lost three in a row. The three games they lost was to New England, Cincy, and Minnesota, who all are winning teams right now. And you know Cincinnati's playing a lot better than anybody. That's thought. That's the game they, of question, me, because to me they should really they could have won. Yeah. They could have been undefeated going to that Cincy game, and Cincy outplayed them. And watching Cincy against the Steel and against the Steelers, that Steelers dominated them. So I, Cincy dominating you really makes me question how good well, you are. I don't know that Cincy dominated Baltimore. Cincy scored on the last drive of the game to well, win the game. All right, and, and that's a good point. Uh, but going into Baltimore. And, and winning, I guess you're right. The word isn't dominating, but but by, wow, if you're losing at home, I mean I, they they lost those three games by a grand total of 11 points. Did we dig into that box score? Anyone get any thoughts on the Cincy Baltimore box score or the yards and all that? I didn't at the time, but I do know that in that game, that last drive was saved by a very questionable inter yeah. interference call, call yeah. on third and forever. Well, this would be a good example. What we do is we post each of these podcasts in the forum, so you just go to pregame.com and click forums, and we'll continue this conversation, dig in a little bit into the box score on this Baltimore game and get a feel of, because that's the question mark to me, is how they lost that Cincy game at home. And I got one thing that's a benefit for Baltimore in this game. The fact that Baltimore already played New England this year and they're playing Denver this week. Denver being the coach, McDaniels being a disciple of Belichick. They're going to have a little bit of fluminary, you know, stuff. Look, there's two gold nuggets from the out, same guy. out of everywhere. That's for the old school guys, you know. <laughs> All right, so no pick, no official pick Not on this. Not on this one. Any th 20 seconds, any last uh, Just uh, Baltimore defense, are they that bad? Is the secondary as weak as we've seen, letting up almost 300 yards a game? I don't think they're that that as bad as we, we no, you I'm know, not they're shown. I'm not either, but I don't think they're They're not as bad, bad as it, they've looked. This, yeah. Last nugget, West Coast team playing a 1 o'clock game, too, for Denver. That's another one. Denver's not West Coast, though. That's they're pretty, mountain. They're clear, well, they're close All right, enough. but it's a move, it's a move, move <laughs> to the east. All right, good stuff. Okay, next up, segment five of six, the biggest game of the week, a guy named Brett Favre against the Green Bay Packers. This is segment five of six, big game preview, NFL, the biggest game of the week, maybe the biggest game of the year, Minnesota at Green Bay. First up, give us a line report on the game, Vegas Run. Okay, this one opened up at Green Bay as a three-point home favorite with a total of 48. As of today, they're sitting at three minus $1.20. And the total's down to 47. So, uh, small lean towards the dog in the under. Okay, so just like in the Baltimore-Denver game we just talked about in the last segment, is they're saying right now Green Bay is a slightly better team. Correct. By three points is the typical home field advantage. You have to lay a little extra to lay three with Green Bay. Vegas is saying Green Bay is a little better in Minnesota. All right. Marco, what's the one factor in this game a handicapper should not be missing? To me, the, the key here is Minnesota needs to get back to Peterson, not make this game about Brett Favre if they're going to win this game. Get back to, which assumes they haven't been with, uh, w having Peterson be the focus. What, in your mind, when's that been, that he hasn't the last The last couple games, I think they've relied more on Favre. And if you saw the end of the Steeler game last week, 
when Peterson had that big run, you know, got them down deep for the tying field goal, and then Favre turned it over two plays later. This man did not look happy on the sidelines when they kept showing him on camera, Peterson. All right, so now again, what we aren't going for here is questions as much as answers. So you guys need to be thinking about that because seemingly this whole show, you've been giving me questions. <laughs> I want answers. <laughs> is is do you see do you see Minnesota able to do that and, and get back to Peterson, especially in a game in which Favre seems to have such a vested interest? If you know I'm the coach of the Minnesota Vikings, that's going to be my chore this week, and it's going to be tough. This is the biggest. This is the whole reason Favre's come back is to march into Lambeau Field and get his revenge. He got the first part of his revenge on the Monday night game a few weeks ago, but that won't be as sweet to him as to march into Lambeau and do it. He needs to play within himself and not try to take the game on his own shoulders. What do you see as the key answer to the key, a key question in this game? Okay, uh, bottom line, first meeting they, they had, the finals misleading. Um, when you look at that game, Minnesota was a four-and-a-half-point home favorite. When you take away for home field and you look at what this line is here, I believe even the odds makers agree with me because according to what that number was, Green Bay shouldn't be three minus 120. Well, they're saying one-and-a-half points better. So Minnesota was considered one-and-a-half points better. Now they're, Minnesota's considered to be slightly inferior. So there's yeah, and, this is a, and they're six-and-one, and they beat them. All right, so what, it could be a couple things. Is relatively Minnesota is considered to be less, or, or compared to Green Bay, is Green Bay has relatively gotten better, or was there a situation in that first game that was somehow extraordinary? Yeah, I, I think that first game, what happened was Minnesota, Green Bay was not able to convert in the red zone, while Minnesota was able to get the job done. Minnesota was 100% three for three when they got inside the red zone, while each time Green Bay got in the red zone, they came away with zero points. That was the difference. They were able to move the ball up and down the field. They just weren't able to generate points from it when it mattered. I think at home, there's a better chance for them to be able to do that. That's right. why I think we're looking so at let's, this number. So let's, let's take a breath here because, to be honest, I'm not, I'm not crazy about what we're talking about so far. We sound like a regular radio show, to be honest. So let's perk up and tell me something as a batter that I need to know here because I'm hearing shit that I'm hearing on Colin Coward. Is what are the factors here? What, what's the handicap in this game? The handicap in this game, one point that you talked about the line, though, consider that that first game line opened at three, and the public bet it to four, four and, and a half, half because of the Favre mystique on Monday Night Football. So, I mean, the true right, line so, was bet at three. But that was a good point, but that was bet up fairly quickly. And at this point where we're taping later, later day Wednesday, the line had made most of its move. Or it certainly got past three and was yeah. in the three and a half, four. I think it might have went to four and a half on Sunday or on Monday last week. Right. So my now what I look at as a key factor in this game is the Green Bay offensive line. Is that's kind of you talk about old school handicapping, Marco, is handicapping 101 is that if the offensive line is shuffled up, the effect is much greater than what the public thinks. If the quarterback's out, everyone reacts to it. But if the center's out, people don't tend to react, but the wise guys do. 
Green Bay had three positions changed off of one injury that in that night. game. And my understanding is they're back to full strength this week. And which makes me think this isn't the same team. This Green Bay team, because of that O-line difference, isn't the same team. Does that sound right to you guys? I agree, because in that first game, what did we see? Neither team, though, ran the ball. I mean, Minnesota had 63 yards rushing with Adrian Peterson as the best back in the NFL, and Green Bay only had 82. So nobody ran the ball that night in Minnesota. And it was Rod- all done Rodgers had a very good game passing hey, through 350 yards. You know, he just he made he made a mistake in the red in zone. In the red zone. He turned one over and they got stopped on a fourth down inside the and uh, three. They applied zero pressure to Favre, no sacks. Rodgers was on his back four times and that goes back to what RJ said, the offensive line problems. They gave up four sacks that night. With the offensive line healthy, if they're intact. And that's the question. Let's, let's put this, let's wrap this game up in a bow. If you believe the offensive line issues Green Bay had in the first game were significant and were a big factor in the game, then it makes sense that now Green Bay is considered to be slightly better. But let's call it neutral at minus three or call it even. If you believe that that's a bunch of you know, baloney and that Minnesota is the better team, you've got to love Minnesota here. So, and, and that, as a listener, you guys got to assess is who's the better team, pick them. And, and because at minus three, it's pretty much what it comes down to. Minnesota showed itself to be the better team in the first matchup. The question is, was the offensive line the reason? It was a big part of it. The, I hate to use this phrase this early in the season, but this is a must-win game for Green Bay. Because if Minnesota goes to seven and one and Green Bay drops to four and three, having lost two games to yeah, Minnesota, they have a tiebreaker. The division's over. That's a good point. So we know everyone's motivated here. You know, go ahead. The only thing, don't forget, Minnesota's coming off two very tough games: Baltimore and Pittsburgh. All right. Green now Bay's been start- on vacation. They've been beating up who? Cleveland and Detroit, not even allowing a touchdown to either of them. So there's teams. another factor, and now we're getting into some stuff. There's another factor is the tough two. And remember, Marco, when you're classic, and you hit us with it. Teams that play Pittsburgh don't play well, they well play the Baltimore next week. Baltimore and Pittsburgh. So. Yeah, so they're getting bang bang. Two of the most physical teams in the, in, in, in the uh, NFL. They traveled last week. They're traveling they again. Get, they have eight days, you know, because it's a, or actually it's a Sunday game. So it's a, you know, it's, they're traveling two straight weeks on a regular and week. And that Green Bay defense, who's only allowing 16 points a game has only allowed three in the last two weeks. So they're flying high right and now, this man. All, and this O-line is improved. So now we see why the line's three. And the question you got to do out there as an audience and as batters is assess what factors matter and what factors don't. And that's what I'm going to do because I'm putting an official pick on this game. I think the Green Bay offensive line was a huge factor. But I also think Favre is going to have trouble emotionally taking a back seat. He threw some interceptions. He was stripped and threw an interception against the Steelers. He's going to want to redeem himself. He's going to want to redeem, not redeem himself, but establish that he made, that he's still a dominant quarterback in Green Bay. And when, when a competitive guy like Favre is, is put to the test, he cannot be passed. If he's going to step up, which will mean a few good long touchdowns, but it will also mean probably a couple turnovers, Green Bay is going to score. Minnesota is going to score. I'm looking at the over. Ooh. So I'm going to make an official pick on the over 47. All right. We've got one more game left, and this was good stuff here. Next up, uh, segment six of six, 
We're going to look at Monday Night Football. This is segment six of six this week, Monday Night Football. Vegas Runner, give us the line report on this game. All right. This one opened up. New Orleans is a nine-point home favorite with a total of 54. As of this morning, they have moved up to a 10-point home favorite, and the total is 54 and a half. All right. So this New Orleans team Respect. Has, be has become, some people believe, the best team Beautiful. in the NFL. Now, actually, and we've got to pat ourselves on the back a little bit, you had a... Uh, future bet on New Orleans. A five-star future star, of the year. Biggest bet I make. Biggest bet I make. At 22 to 1? Yep. Now, now, unless I'm mistaken, it's down to 5 to 1? Yep. All right. Not all right. bad. Not bad. Not bad. Not bad. You got down on it, too. You know, I did. I, I actually <laughs> like New Orleans. When I was on ESPN in L.A., I do the weekly spot there, as you guys know, at 4 o'clock on uh, the Mason Ireland show, uh, and we talk sports betting. A week before the season, I went to them with four different teams to have a future bet on, and they picked New Orleans with me, so we had New Orleans too there. So, all right, as a handicapper, because that's what this show is about, what is the one factor that, that, that this game is going to hinge on and give us an answer about it? You've got to decide if Atlanta can trade points with this New Orleans offense, because they're not stopping this offense. They're going to have to trade points with them, and that's going to be a tall task considering New Orleans has scored 45 or more in four of their six games this year. All right, so what you're saying is this is an example where the only way you beat New Orleans is when beat them in a shootout. That's what you're going to have to, with this Atlanta team because they don't have a dominant defense. I mean, all right, so does Atlanta have a chance to, to keep it close? Uh, or are they going to score enough points to keep it close? based upon what you see to be the handicap of the game? Really, I, I don't think that um, Matt Ryan can trade points with Drew Brees. He didn't seem very sure about that, did he? I, 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 it was like he was on the witness stand. All right, let's I'll, Vegas I'll, run. I'll tell you what, yeah. I like Matt Ryan. He's having a good year, man. 63% completions. He's doing good. I, for a, you know, No sophomore jinx there. Um, what I, I agree with you, too. They're going to do whatever they want offensively. When you look at this Atlanta team, they're mediocre. That's my key point. This is a fake 4-2 and two team. They're 26th against the pass, 23rd against the run. They have zero defense. The biggest handicap for this game for me is, when I dug into this, is Atlanta is playing their fourth road game in five weeks. This team's got to be tired. And the last thing you want to be is when you're playing the Saints is tired because this offense is going to run you up and down the field. That's a good point. Now, let's think. Now, have they had a bye in those weeks? Uh, they have, they've played six games. They had, they, they, had their they had a bye early. early. They were one of the teams that had a bye early. All right, so, you, so you're saying fatigue issues with Atlanta. For sure. Which is especially bad uh, against New Orleans. Now, here's my question. We know New Orleans right now is a team with a premium on them. The public loves certain types of teams and explosive offensive teams. They feel very comfortable betting them. Remember, typically, if something is hard to bet, if it's painful, it means it's a good bet. If it's easy, betting Mike Tyson at 40-1 to against Buster Douglas was easy. 
is if it's easy, it's usually the wrong bet. You're paying a premium. So New Orleans typically is a team I want to fade. Unfortunately, I had Miami last week and took a really bad beat. We had it up in the forums too. You want to fade them, but if they're playing a team which is overrated in your mind, now you got two overrated teams. Atlanta's a little overrated, and New Orleans, though a great team, is a little overrated. So that, that causes me pause. Yeah, Atlanta's been outgained in four of their six games. This team's four and two, and I'm telling you, they're not getting it done by strength and skill. I... I, I, I I don't know why everybody's talking about how good this Atlanta team is. I'm, I really haven't seen it at all. I'll tell you how bad their defense is. They made Romo look like a, a, uh, good, yeah. a good quarterback. A great quarterback. <laughs> and actually, you just mentioned my second loser on Sunday. Is I actually <laughs> had Atlanta in Dallas. I got to tell you right now, this Dallas team, I'm, I'm not sure how good they are. But to, to dominate like that. or to win convincingly against Atlanta makes me question this Atlanta team. I think you have to, RJ. That, that, I mean, you're looking at a 4-2 and two record and they're getting more than you know 10 points. Who knows where it's going to get and to And don't forget, I'm sorry, and I'll let you mm -hmm. jump in next, Marco, is this Atlanta team was projected, if I recall, to win less than nine games. This was one of the teams with Miami that was clearly projected to fall back to earth. And this start seems to be deceiving in that, oh, maybe they are as good as they were last year. But you're saying inside the numbers, that's not the case. It's not the case. And let's not forget, although New Orleans, yes, they're 6-0, and so every game's important to them now that they're talking about the undefeated season and all. But this is their first division game. And, I mean, sure, they're going to win the division, so it won't mean as much at the end of the season. But you're still going to show up more for them divisional games. You want to beat up the guy you're meeting twice. Well, I'll give you more reasons why they're going to show up. Handicapping, to go back to last week's game, in the Miami, that made sense last week betting Miami because you had New Orleans coming off their biggest game of the year. It was the legitimizer. They, they had they played the Giants. Played the Giants, <clears throat> dominated the Giants, and virtually were crowned the NFC champions after that dominating performance. So they went on the road to play Miami. That was a flat spot. They came out slow, which that's what happens when you're flat. But yet they were a good enough team that in the second half to make the adjustments, come out and work their way back into the game and take control of that game in the second half. Which I think, and, and, and sorry to jump in a second, but I think that creates a sense of invincibility with New Orleans batters. Imagine if you had New Orleans down by 21, laying seven, and you still cover. You're like, this is like free money. Yeah, you can't lose back in this team. But they've got a rare Monday night home game. New Orleans doesn't get Monday night home games. So you're going to have a Jacked up crowd Monday night for New Orleans Agreed. to showcase the best team in the NFL. Bet, you know, so this team's going to come out fired up. You're going to get your, you're going to get an effort on Monday night, almost what you got against the Giants, mental wise from mm -hmm. the New Orleans team. And these are, this is a situation that freezes me. Is you got two overrated teams, so let's call that a wash. And when we say overrated, it's all about the line. New Orleans might be the best team in football, but they're not quite as good, I think, as the lines makers and the batters are making them out to be. You've got Atlanta team, which I agree with you is overrated. So now the question is, how do you play it? And then you add in the fact that New Orleans is going to have a very definite home field. You know, I have the slightest lean to, towards New Orleans. Now, on the total, I like New Orleans is great on offense, and I agree with Marco. If Atlanta's going to be in this game at all, they're they going to score. score. Yeah. So then I like the over, but you know there's a premium on the over. So this is really a situation where the handicap and the inherent premiums are on the same side, which causes me typically to pass. 
54 and a half, and he'll probably get to 55, if not higher, by game time. On a time, Monday night game. On an NFL game. I mean, usually the, the, they stop at 51, <laughs> and you'll see 51 and a half, you know, 52 tops. But to get up to the 55 you're, range, you're, you're wonder, paying a high premium. You've got to wonder maybe, and I'm just talking off the top of my head, maybe New Orleans in the first half here, right? You know you're going to be Come laying out. less than a touchdown. Um, and that home field is probably going to mean more at the beginning. Right. You know, maybe it's New Orleans in the first quarter. That, you know, it's a good point. First quarter or first half bet, because if they do get a big lead, they could get complacent in the, in the second half and get that Atlanta backdoor cover. I'd kind say of first half, because first quarter, you know Atlanta's going to go in with the mindset, let's weather the storm, let's slow everything down, let's get the crowd out of it. They're not going to want to trade points with them off the bat. Interesting over-under Last point. Last point. On New Orleans, following a win, when they win a game in their next game, they've gone over 15 of 20. 15 of 20 off a win, which the rationale behind that would be they get a little lackadaisical and play a little weaker on D. Or you can just say that well, everything's clean. Well, I try to think clean. through the trends. But. but that one, in years past, that would be, you know, because this definitely 20 games goes back a couple right, years. A couple lessons here. One is if you don't like a game, especially on Monday night, either play a small amount that it doesn't mean anything to you or pass. Number two, we might have a slight lean towards New Orleans in the first half. If you don't have that option, go to pregameaction.com, get the best deals from the most trusted sports books out there. Okay, this is segment six of six. That's it for this week. We'll be back next week with a whole new set of big games. And remember, if you want to watch all the videos, go to pregame.tv. Or if you want to download and listen, just go to iTunes and search for pregame.com.